When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of The Back Check on Belly Up Sports. Brendan and Stefan here, as always. We've got a great episode to dive into today. A little bit of a break in the NHL action. Well, more than a little bit with COVID and the holiday break, but things are starting to pick back up again in somewhat of a normal-like fashion. The Islanders are about to go on another little hiatus. Still no fans in Canada, but we're slowly revving it back up. Our buddy Johnny Lazar is going to join us on the show uh, in a moment, too, to talk about some of the Rangers hockey. Big win for them over the Lightning today. Two big wins over the Lightning in the last couple of days. But how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm tired. Very tired. It's been a crazy week for me. Yep. As you know, but I'll say it again, I got, I'm very thankful I got credential to cover the Islanders. So I'm in the press box, uh, press box interviewing coaches, players. So it's been cool, but it's been a lot of work the first week. But again, crazy opportunity. And I'm so thankful for it. Yeah, definitely. Cheers to that. Yeah, cheers. I got my coffee though, Brian. You got your beer. Oh, if the if the Rangers are gonna buzz like they did today, I'm gonna pull out a, a midday Rona for it. Uh, can we can we start the show by just talking about Canada for a second? Yeah. Because they're just again, they have to do what they have to do for their people, like you know, uh, apparently. But this hockey season is not being finished. There's no way 82 games are being played. This They're going to play them. They're just going to be forced when? to make the decision of playing them in front of empty arenas. They're not going to do that. They've already showed they're not going to do that. Eventually, it's going to come to the point where why you're going to lose because they have to because they're playing the U.S. games. Yeah, they're playing the U.S. games. So I think it gets to a point where you're either going to have to have um, forfeits because they're not again. They're they're not making up. There's no way 82 games are being played. How they're going to be more postponements? There's no like okay after next week we're going to have fans again. The numbers are spiking, apparently. I don't look at the numbers, but they're spiking in Canada. How, how many more? We, this is going for another four or five weeks. When are they making these games up? They're well, not. They're going to become to two choices. Like They're either going to say, we have no choice but to play without fans and empty buildings there. Or, hey, Canada teams, 
you're doing what the MLB and the Blue Jays did, and you're coming to play in the United States. See, that would be a good – that's a thing. That that makes sense. But then they're not making the money off the fans. They're still losing money. It's no, about fans, money. fans would show up. Like, for instance, right, and I'm just spitballing here. Toronto and Buffalo are rivals. What if Toronto plays their games in uh, Rochester Americans rank? Um, so that's just the There's two There's no way that, that would work, though. You have – you'd rather work, make though. money. Why not? The arenas, they're sold out for concerts, venues. They're not going to move all that stuff for another – you can tell me another full nah, team is not coming. Not AHL arenas. Oh, AHL. Okay. Yeah, if you're playing it, like I'm not saying they go to play in NHL teams. You're gonna have to do it, but making money off of ten thousand uh, dollar, ten thousand tickets as opposed to zero is still better than empty arenas. So that's the only other option I could see, unless Canada does loosen up the restrictions and, and say they do at least fifty percent capacity. Or the other thing they could do is have this play out into the summer, because Canada doesn't care about other sports. They have one team in baseball. And they rather say we rather might as well again, wait a couple of months. You can't do that because if they're going to keep playing the games in the U.S., no, they, Canada I, has if, to. If it's going to go to the summer, they would do a full league-wide shutdown, which again, don't think is fair. I don't think that makes any sense at all because we've already seen when you start it changes to, the whole season. Well, that means the next season's delayed, and that means the season after that's going to be delayed unless you cut the season in half. And people want to play. Fans want to see teams play. I, mean, I guarantee right now Canada would be packing that place. It's not personal opinion it's it's the government and i i get it they want to be strict they want to end this thing but i've had it you've probably had it we have no idea yet but everyone's getting it and i'm all for ending the season right now and just starting the playoffs see obviously no <laughs> but um no you just look at it as if canada doesn't start becoming more understanding of because clearly the u.s care about their people right there's no it's not like we, the Canada, Canadians care more about the people, which is why they're doing this. It's all about money. They're closing down these arenas because they're losing money when they have events because it's not full capacity. It's not about the people. Come on, let's be real. It's about the money. Well, I think that we've talked about it the last couple of episodes on the show too. Uh, there's a Is COVID around and is it going to be spreading? Sure. But at the same time, every other illness still spreads too and we don't shut things down for it. So we're, we're at the point now. It's over two years. Let's live with that and move on right and people are going to get COVID the same way they still get the flu the same way they still get the common cold and we don't cry about it i i just had COVID. you just had COVID. luckily we were no worse for the wear there and to me i had symptoms for one day yet we're both vaccinated clearly that helped so get vaccinated if you don't that's your choice and you have to deal with the consequences of your decision but let's move on and move forward with our lives and stop closing down like if people want to go to the game it should be their right to go to the game well, first off, if you're not vaccinated and you're pissed off that you can't go to a game, that's on you. You could have gotten vaccinated. So I think I think I still like the rule that you should be vaccinated to go to the game or a negative test. Let's not just let everybody in there. It's not my fault that someone didn't get vaccinated and wants to come to the game and not get tested and impact others. I understand that. But you could still pack arenas with everyone who's vaccinated. Most people have gotten vaccinated, I feel like. I don't know the math or the numbers, but if they're going to let people in that have negative COVID tests and they're vaccinated, they're still packing places. I just this this rule for they were talking about 1000 people per Canadian game. I mean, that's that's sure that's getting people in the house, but we've talked about it. 1000, 2000, 5 feet away, 6 feet away. What what are these numbers? These numbers don't help in first off. Baloney. But but you see rules around the NHL, you must wear masks in the arenas. We've gone to arenas, nobody's wearing masks. No one's following your procedures anyway. You might as well make the money and pack the house because again, if you're having 1000 people in there, 
It doesn't matter if you had another 2,000 or 3,000. If it was the, 1, the sad part, it's not even on the NHL anymore because they're doing that in the U.S. We just had a 40,000 capacity winter classic. And, I mean, everyone was wearing a mask there, but that was because their noses were about to fall off. And minus did you see, Andrew, Ray, did you see An- Andrew Raycroft's tweet? I, I did see that okay, with so the empty picture, building. It was the- a picture of an empty Canadian game. And then it was a picture of a target field just jam-packed, and it said, same same league. Like he's not wrong. Then again, no, and, there and is all an the outdoor comments a- on it, right? There's the an outdoor are, aspect oh, of it. Of the hospitals course. are full. Okay, so don't go to the hospital. <laughs> well, okay. Don't, well, don't go to the hospital. I didn't need to go to the hospital. You get vaccinated, you're not going to need to go to the hospital. Well, so that's the problem. There you go. Or go to the gym was. every once in a while. But whatever. Yeah, and I, I love how um, people respond with, "Oh, they're making me get tested. They just lost a fan." Well, if you're a diehard fan, first off. You're not. That's not a make or break. And two, you're, if you're a diehard fan, guess what? You're getting vaccinated for the sole reason so you can go to games. I would put so much crap in my body if it meant going to a hockey you, game. How many people do you think got vaccinated so that they could go to places? Me. Everyone. I literally called my mom the other day and said, I am going to get a booster because eventually they're going to say you need a booster to go to games. And I'm not going to miss exactly. because I don't have a booster. I mean, people are getting them personal preference. Obviously, if you don't get one, you're more likely to be hurt from this thing. But if they had told me, listen, I know you don't want to get one. But if you don't get one, you can't go see hockey games or you can't do your job. I'm getting it. I'm, I'm getting it because I, I want to be able to do things. And it's yes, it sucks that, you know, people believe that, you know, it's our life. We get to choose what we do. Yeah, but, you know, no, nah, not really. So just get vaccinated. You'll feel better. It's such a double standard, right? Because if it is our lives, you get to choose and do what you do. Then we should be not. able to go to the games, too. So clearly it's not. So it's not. would you rather. Life's not fair. So get over it. To life's get back fair. to normal, you have to take a needle in your arm. People stick a lot worse needles in their arm for for less reasons. So and a lot, uh, yeah, yeah, you you are <laughs> correct on that one. I watched the movie. Tom Holland, by the way, has a new movie out on Apple Plus. I watched it. It's called Cherry. Does that guy sleep? Spider Man just came yeah. out too, right? All right. Well, I don't know when this, but the movie's about a guy that goes to war, gets PTSD, comes back, gets addicted to heroin, and uh, uh, it was pretty much to show the problem with the military coming back. We don't help them. Yeah. Like the the doctor says. Let me prescribe you Oxy. And then he goes off, whatever. Great movie. By the way, I watched Finch with Tom Hanks. If Apple TV as well. Fantastic movie. You have to watch I have it. to get Apple TV. Because I want to watch Ted Lasso. There's so many things. All right. It's about him, his character, Finch. He's like this scientist. There's a, there's an, it's always like, a, you know, something happened with the world. The world's gone. Like everyone's dead. He's the only one alive, whatever. It's him, his dog, and a robot he made. And it is just a great movie. But anyway, we should probably get back to, you know. Some hockey hockey things. Before we dive into the Rangers and have Johnny Lazarus on, some magical thing happened with the Seattle Kraken and the Vancouver Canucks. And nothing to do with on-the-ice play at all. Um, A fan that was at the Seattle Kraken game, their first ever game, I want to make sure I get her name right, Nadia Pavici. She was sitting behind the Vancouver Canucks bench, a med student, I think she said she went to Washington State, med student, saw a mole on the back of Brian Hamilton, assistant uh, equipment manager for the Canucks head. and. She looked at the mole and said, that's a cancerous mole. So she wrote on her notes on her phone and put it on the glass or on the, whatever she was sitting to get his attention. He shook it off. Turns out she was right. And he went to the doctors, got it removed. They said that he wouldn't have had symptoms for another five to 10 years. And by that point, it probably would have been too late. So he went to social media and helped with the Vancouver Canucks social media to get to find her. No one knew her name. Everyone was able to track her down. And the Canucks awarded her a ten thousand dollars scholarship. Yeah, I, I think that Seattle put money into that too. So oh, they, of course, yeah. Split it, but but how, how, what I are the odds? The, I saw the initial tweet, um, you know, 
by Vancouver with the message from the equipment manager. And then it was like 30 minutes later, she was found, which is, oh, which yeah. is crazy. I mean, social media just does wonders. But to, for that to be, that was just, that's one of those stories you read and go, that's, that's, that's crazy. Wild. that The, the odds of that happening. Literally fate that she, her, her season tickets happened to be there. And it wasn't even hers. It was her stepfather's or father-in-law's or one of those that she and was there for that game. She just happened to be looking at the exact moment where his neck was visible. Like all those things have to just happen. And you say, you know what? It was just meant to be, but that that's pretty cool. Sometimes, yeah. you know, it's bigger than a game. That's one of them. It is bigger than the last thing we'll get to before Johnny Lazarus joined us is what happened with Patrick Marlowe's kid. Oh, my God. You just told me about this today. Yeah, so <laughs> Patrick Marlowe's wife tweeted out that um, they were at a hotel. I don't know where they were. And uh, the kid went down to go back to the pool. He left his sunglasses or goggles. And some woman, some couple was talking to the kid and, like, asking him a lot of questions and then went to, like, grab him. Turns out it was like a kidnapping. And there was another family there that didn't know who Patrick Marlowe, like, didn't know who this kid was. It was like, hey, do you know these people? He's like, no. He was obviously emotionally crying probably because, you know, being kidnapped is never something that anyone wants to see ever. But, yeah, it was a kidnapping almost for Patrick Marlowe's kid, one of his kids. And that's just terrifying. But um, a random family, too, had happened to be there. The kid was by himself. I don't know if obviously it would have gone through or whatever. But we're talking about things that happen in timely things that just change lives. I mean. Thank God. Thank God for people and the decency of people too. None of those people had to do what they did in both the Vancouver case and the Seattle fan case and this family, this random family for all that family could have been, you know what? That's not my problem. I could have walked away and then a kid would have gone missing and just absolutely brutal. But so are people. Oh my God. Like, people? yeah, like people are just words. I'm not allowed to say, cause we make this podcast D for everyone, but come on. What goes through your head saying, you know, I'm going to do it I'm going to go kidnap a kid. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. We're not people like that. It's just gross. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah. All right. So now joining us is Johnny Lazarus. All right. What's up, Johnny? How you doing? I'm good, guys. Uh, it's it's nice to have some hockey back after that long pause. Um, I've been trapped in my house pretty much for like 10 days. Parents both got COVID. I somehow didn't. So um, I feel invincible, but I feel good. <laughs> I know you guys I know you had it for a bit, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in quarantine right now, too. Oh, geez. Yeah. Nobody it's can just... avoid it. Oh. Well, uh, we talk about this all the time, like herd immunity and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like if we all just get this, we're, we're it'll be better. But, you know, we're not scientists. We shouldn't be going into that. But obviously, you said you feel invincible. And I think Mika Zibanejad right now feels invincible. <laughs> what a performance. I mean, uh, dominant. And for with Panarin out because of COVID protocol, you needed Zibanejad to step up. And in the second game against the Lightning, he did that. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of feel like he had it coming. Uh, Mika's one of those guys that's been streaky, I feel like, since he's been on the Rangers the last, I don't know, what is this, his sixth season, Brennan? Do you know? Six, it's I think? something like that. Five or six? I, it's maybe? five or six, yeah. But uh, I also don't wish you guys Happy New Year. So first oh, of all, Happy, Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New Year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Ranger fans understand that uh, Mika gets hot and then sometimes he goes cold. But uh, when he's hot, he's really hot and the whole league knows. So hopefully this is going to be one of those, you know, 10, 15 game stretches where Mika just goes on a tear and he can really gain some momentum in the second half of the year. It'd be the perfect time. Since when does Kreider get assists? Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe uh, he got all the goals out of him in 2021, and maybe <laughs> he's got nothing left in 2022. But if he's getting points, I think we're all happy. And well, then- it, it seems like the both of them, right? When Kreider's scoring, Zabanej is the one picking up the apples, and then they just traded places right now. But if Panarin's going to be out for you know week or two, who knows how long this COVID stuff is? Five days could be a month ago. I mean, there's no set thing, but perfect time for that streakiness to come out as a banana so two two straight wins against the back-to-back cup champs i don't know rangers fans oh, yeah. feeling a little bit better right now yes it's funny too i i a team that i think of like in this situation a team that's actually playing right now that i know you guys were just talking about the penguins um you know i kind of feel like when crosby's out malkin steps up maybe it's kind of like one of those things where savannah kind of feeds off being the guy when panarin's not around um like we've seen with malkin in the past i mean i see that in the power play spot yeah for sure that's shot by i mean you, you just look at Zabanajad and Again, when he's going, he's going. That that's a that's an I mean that's a top notch shot from that mm-hmm. spot. And you know, there's not that many players who could step into a role in that on the power play for one game or a couple of games, however long Panarin's out, and just do what he just did. I mean, that was that. I mean, who else has a better shot than that from that spot? You're talking about Ovechkin. He shoots it really hard and usually had goes through the goalies. But when I mean, you're going top corner on Vasilevsky, that doesn't happen. Yeah, the only other guy that like comes to mind would be like Patrick Line, maybe. I would say maybe Stamkos too. Stamkos yeah. too. Stamkos is more of the Ovechkin like one timer. Yeah, but I mean, I mean yeah. pinpoint. Yeah, yeah, and then Shosturkin too. I, I was talking to Brendan and I said I was watching the game. I didn't want to jinx it for Brendan, and I didn't want to text him. But I'm watching the game and going, oh, he's Shosturkin's. He's getting the shutout. Like he's getting it. There's there's no ifs ands or buts. And this is another guy. I mean, he. You look at you know. I feel like Hellebuck's getting a lot of credit for being like the best goalie in this year and everything like that. Or they were looking back to the last season as well. I'm just. I just watch him play, and he's got to be a top two goalie in this league. I, I don't even. I really don't even think it's close skill wise. And then you know we always talk about Sorokin too with not as great numbers, but we look at these types of goalies, and they're just there's a, such a difference between their ability, not even stats, their ability. And some others that are still elite goalies in this league, because just looking at Shosturkin and even Sorokin, they just they just light years better than some of the other goalies in this league, and those goalies are good. Mm-hmm. I feel like you would have a much better opinion on goalies than I would. I don't really pay attention so much to the position of goalies. Um, yeah. You know, I don't really have a strong like goalie knowledge background. But when I see when I see Shosturkin is like not necessarily a goalie who's so composed and conservative. Then again, he is always in the right position. Like, I feel like he has a little bit of like a Jonathan Quick in him where he's kind of like, you know, very far out of the crease and will be a little out of position, but he's never like too out of position where you're uncomfortable about it. You know, is is that like a decent comparison? No. Yeah. And I think the other thing is their ability to rebound, not no Mm -hmm. pun intended, rebound from when they make a split second mistake or uh, Mm -hmm. like their post to post movement for Shastrikin and Sorokin is unreal. And I think, you know, when they get beat, we talk about the, the weaker goals and it's not because they can't make the saves. It's because they are thinking so incredible, so much faster than the play is happening. They overthink. They're worrying about, all right, that blocker saves going to the corner and then the puck's going to go up the rink and what I'm doing next. But they don't make that first save. And then that's when we see weaker goals, especially with Sisterk. And his biggest thing was he's making highlight reel saves game after game. 
but it's that one or two weak goals that go in, and that's the difference in the game. But I think this year he, he you know, he's tight on the last game he played. He had a lot of week one and that, or a couple of games ago, and that led Florida. to the loss. It yeah. led to the loss, yeah. but he has been so much better at making sure that doesn't happen. I think it's just because he's just so talented that he's thinking so much and seeing the game so much faster than everybody else. And sometimes you, you're you're doing too much. And I think when he settles back and just focuses on positioning, make the save next, breaking it down like that, he has success. You're looking at the goal saves about average. What is it like 16, 17? It's uh, absurd. Before this game from the J fresh one, it was 18 point something. And, and <laughs> so, now he just got a 38 save shutout. So I can't imagine that's going to go down. No. And it's just, just to, again, we talked about the Rangers often is okay. This is the year to make the playoffs. They need everything to click pretty much. They, their forward groups kind of click They're I mean, Adam Fox, just that play he made earlier in the game. I forgot who it was on, but he, he made an unreal play. Mm-hmm. It just locking down. And then your forwards coming through. And now you have the goaltending. That's just locked in. You got a righteous Sturkin, obviously this is a team that, you know, do you see them as a team that is an elite team yet or just a good team? Because you look at their records against teams that are, you know, over 500 in the playoff picture and teams that are under, they haven't played great against the good teams, but over the last couple of games, I mean, back-to-back wins over Tampa, they played Florida, a tight game against Florida. So, I mean, do you think they're a legit top team in this league yet or, not, or still a little bit away? I think everyone's been questioning it like literally since the beginning. Um, yeah. It's really, it's really hard to tell too, right? Because the core of this team, for the most part, I mean, yeah, you have like the Zabanajads, Jets, Criders, and, and I wouldn't even say like Truba. Truba's only in like his third year or fourth year, but um, you know, for the majority, this team hasn't even been through a normal year together. Like since yeah. Fox came in the league, Kako came in the league. You know, we had Panarin for one normal season, but um, you know, you could say the same too with the Islanders, like with Dobson and and some of those yeah. guys. But they haven't had a full eighty-two like normal playoff normal year, so. Um, it's kind of hard to say this might not be a fluke or whatever, especially with all the COVID protocol stuff going on right now, too. Um, you know, I know Kucherov was out today also. So, you know, did they really play the best version of the Lightning? Who knows? Um, but then again, like, y- you can't count on every team to be healthy come playoff time. So, um, no team's healthy. Exactly. So, with what they've got, um, I-, I don't know if I would say they are an elite Stanley Cup contender, but I think they can make a strong enough case for themselves to – definitely get through the first round and you know potentially have a second round upset i don't have much higher expectations for this year than that um i still think i still think a lot of them need to like play in a real playoff environment um like i said before like caco hasn't fox hasn't lafreniere hasn't um you know those guys had the bubble but what was that three games against carolina where they got fucking smoked sorry yeah yeah. i didn't mean to curse Uh, Um, but yeah I, i mean Listen, I don't think anyone in that locker. I mean, obviously, like every hockey player, even the Buffalo Sabers and Arizona Coyotes, like the dream is the Stanley Cup, right? But in the back of your mind, the realistic expectation is let's just get to the playoffs and see what we can do from there. You know, if if we make it past the first round, I think this year is a success, especially after cleaning house this offseason. Um, so for me, yeah, that'd be I'd be a happy Ranger fan if they can win a first round playoff series. I feel like that would exceed expectations. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you, you talk about the elite teams, right? Uh, we, we know how good the Metro is. We know how good the Atlantic is. But right now, if the season ended, they're playing Washington in the first round. I mean, huh. that's a team that's been there, done that. Say you you flip-flop with Carolina, right? Then, then you're probably playing Boston in the first round because I think they're better than Detroit. You could be playing Pittsburgh. They could wind up dropping to a wild card and playing Tampa. And like, so there's no easy route. So mm-hmm. I agree with what Johnny just said. If they get out of the first round, they're beating a good team, which means – it's, it's a huge stepping stone for the league. And I don't think they're elite, 
but they're they're close. They're knocking on the door. And when the average age of your team is still the second youngest in the league, that's a good spot to be in. But I wanted to ask you because he mentioned about Chesterk and how you got to ride him. Odds are tomorrow you get Georgiev back to back against Edmonton. Last time they played Edmonton, Edmonton was the the red hot team. They were yep. rolling. Georgiev let six past him. He's been better as of late because he had to get that extended uh, play. But now he's had a long break, so it's going to be his first game in a long time too. And Edmonton's knocking on the door of a win. They lost to the Islanders and the Devils in OT. What do you think the outcome of tomorrow's game is? And do you see it as a similar type of Rangers come out and kind of push or dictate the play? Or are we going to have one of those letdowns? So it's kind of funny. Uh, as you guys both know, I'm a, a pretty, not heavy, but a, you know, an active sports better. Uh, the last two Oilers games, Islanders and Devils, I bet on the Oilers, and they were both heartbreaking losses for me. Uh, especially that Devils game when you know they had a five-four lead late in the game. The Devils tied with like twenty seconds left, and then uh, the other day against the Islanders when Dobson had that really nice overtime goal. But um, you know, it's it's hard to tell right now. This Oilers team just can't seem to figure out a way to grind out a win, and that's a lot of the doubts about them, right? Like, can they figure out how to play that playoff hockey, whatever it takes to win kind of style? And that's a lot of. You know, that's a trending conversation, I feel like, throughout this year about McDavid and Dreisaitl as if they can really buy in and, like, change their game, which, oh, you know. Dreisaitl. Yeah. I don't need to talk learn. about that. Like, we've had, we've heard all those opinions. But um, tomorrow night, like, uh, Georgiev obviously um, has, you know, had a very long time off, and hopefully he can step in and, and do well. But, um, you know, I think just after a win like today, the Rangers are going to be a confident team in front of him, even though, you know, obviously I think they allowed, what, 38 shots today against Tampa? Yeah, I mean, the first period had 18, 20 the rest of the game. So they, they kind of settled down. Mm. Uh, you also don't know who's playing tomorrow anyway. Uh, Nemeth was out with a non-COVID yeah. issue. Lengren could be coming back off protocol. So there's so many people who are, could be coming in and out. It's going to be interesting. But, I mean, I'll be tuning in just to watch McDavid, man. Yeah, but, if he does anything like last game. <laughs> so the one thing is, Panarin could also be a false positive. You don't mm-hmm. know that. That's mm-hmm. one day. Um, but you look back at what the Islanders did well, and this is what the Rangers are going to have to do. You, you can't con- you can't shut down McDavid and Drysdale. That's actually impossible. But you got to mm. try to contain them, right? Mm. So McDavid got an assist in the game, and uh, Drysdale got a goal. But Drysdale did not register a shot on the goal that he scored. It was a pass that deflected off Martin. Yep. And he got credit for. It. He did not have a shot in regulation. Just one shot in overtime. I do think he, that was on purpose, was though. I think he banked it off Martin on purpose. I think he saw that. Like I think it was, I thought he was trying to get. I saw. I think he saw that Yamamoto was tied up with Martin and just threw mm. it in that direction. Great, great play, heads up yeah. play. But to not allow Drysaddle a shot through regulation and McDavid, I think McDavid had, yeah, McDavid had three shots, mm-hmm. and two of them I think came on the same play. So being able to shut them down, the Islanders, are gonna, uh, the Rangers are going to have to rely on their defense because. The whole entire game, keeping them to the outside. Ross Johnston was in the lineup. His sole job was to piss off Drysaddle. Mm-hmm. He legit finished every hit on Drysaddle. I know Drysaddle was going onto the bench for a change after getting the puck. Johnston hits him. You saw Drysaddle like grimace in pain and like shake his head. I mean, yeah, it's a, probably a cheap thing if someone's going for a line change, but you got to get under their skin because yeah. the Islanders did that to a T. And yeah, they had to come from behind to go to overtime and eventually win it. Noah Dobson, heck of a play. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's on fire right now. Me and Brendan will get into that a little bit later, but. <laughs> You got to just keep them to the outside because, you again, you can't shut them down. You just have to hope to contain them, and then you're going to need huge staves from Shesterkin. Yeah, dude. Like I said, also, I watched that Devils game against the Oilers. McDavid, <laughs> McDavid had two goals where he was just wide open. Like, yep. I mean, was, you, you can't yeah. let McDavid get behind you ever. Yeah. That, that's a, you that's also a, can't let a Jack Hughes shot from the top of the circles. You have a clear line of sight, be the overtime game winner through yeah, your blocker. Bad. and that, so. oh, he got, He's hurt. Remember, Brendan? We, uh, so, John, this is, my, yeah. this, is my, this is my thing with 
pretty much every sport. You see it in baseball. I don't really watch ba- uh, basketball and football that much. And in hockey, though. When a, goal, when a pitcher allows a big home run or a goalie allows a weak goal, they're always hurt after. You know, there's never like a, you know, Lundqvist is the best at this. He always took the blame. He never faked an injury, never did that. Mm-hmm. Lundqvist was always, that was on me. I want accountability. Mike Smith, you're not hurt. You're day-to-day because you're emotion, like you're embarrassed. Yeah. You see it in sport high baseball. Oh, sore arm. No, you just got embarrassed. And rather than admit that you threw a bad pitch in a bad spot, you're going to fake an injury where you're day-to-day. I, I can't stand that. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. Actually, I thought it was awesome, too. I know you just said you're not a basketball guy, but Kevin Durant the other night had like a really good press conference about just like taking accountability, like saying that we came into the to the arena tonight expecting to win and we didn't show up. Like, I, I love that. Yeah, stuff, just man. accountability yeah. is huge. But like Mike Smith, that's a terrible goal to announce. I have more respect for Mike Smith coming out after and saying, I can't let that in. Then not talking to the media, which he probably didn't. I didn't watch. And then day-to-day with an injury. What, what, what'd you get hurt on? You tweaked yeah, your ego? Like, I, it's just... He tweaked his back trying to reach and stop that puck from going in when he should have just stopped it flat out. Um, shot. Why, okay, why didn't Jack Hughes throw a stick into the into the crowd? I thought this was gonna been. be. A, I thought it was probably wasn't a, a nice enough goal, man. He was kind of shocked that it went in. <laughs> yeah. But I, I thought that was gonna be a thing. Now you know, every time he scored an OT winner, he's got to do that. That way, we call it the Hughes, and it would have been mm-hmm. cool. He didn't do it. Do you have any uh picks for tomorrow that you're gonna share, or you have anything in the works? I haven't looked yet. I got some stuff that I'm assigned to this week. Um, I'll I'll take a look right now at the games coming up tomorrow, uh, Monday night. So we got. There's only one game. It's just Rangers Oilers. Looks like. Oh, so games, it looks like moments. oh, that's so annoying. I think, at least according to the NHL app, I don't know if that's accurate. Yeah, the NHL app has been messed up lately. It has been. Wait, only let me one check game. real quick. Is it one game? Are you looking one at the game. app? Yeah, because yeah. they uh, they uh, canceled all Canadian games right now because of no fans. If it's the U.S. team, so all eyes on uh, Georgiev. Yeah. So uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bet on that game. I can't <laughs> I can't invest because. You know, what about the over? What about the over? It's probably, probably going to be six. Yeah. Well, the um, over for the Islander game, Islanders-Oilers was six. And it didn't hit. But also, again, the Islanders defense play like the Islanders defense usually plays. And they didn't have Georgiev in it. And we know Georgiev is susceptible to not playing well. Plus, the whoever's in goal for Edmonton is is not good. It's either going to be Koskinen again. And if Mike Smith still hurt, they called it this rookie. I don't think he's ever played an NHL game. Mm-hmm. So... You know, the you over know, six. If, if you're a prop bet guy, you just mentioned the streakiest goal scorer in the league is Mika Zibanejad coming yeah. off a of Hattie. Yeah. Maybe take him to Barry. But uh, well, that's, it's funny. That's I've strength. actually been uh, betting against the Seattle Kraken. They've lost their last <laughs> three, and I've won all those all three of those bets because I, I just think they're trending downwards. I mean, they yep. obviously aren't a good team, but yeah. just watching them, I, I pretty much try to watch like almost every game that's on TV. Like I'm up to 1 a.m. watching the late West Coast game, whichever one's on now that's on ESPN, which has been awesome. Um, but the Islanders were lined up to play Seattle, so that game's canceled too. So I don't know. Oh, their whole road trip was played. Yeah, it was canceled. Four games, which I doesn't make it does make sense, and it doesn't. I get what they, you know, the NHL is canceling the the Canada postponing the Canada games, but they could have flown out to Seattle for one game and flown back. Come on, the they yeah. how many miles do they have on their on their credit cards from from booking trips? They that could have been a free trip. Probably. That's why that game's canceled. Is canceled because it didn't make sense for them to go out to Seattle and go west for one game when they're going to have to reschedule all of those yeah. games. They might as well do it in a week. But personally, the Islanders don't play for another 12 days. And, and they're getting hot. And they're getting yeah, hot. How do you build momentum? You don't. I don't know. But like, I, I, they, I do think these like long pauses are good for them because they still aren't fully. They're, yeah, they're still not fully healthy. So, you know, after 12 days from now, they can come out and what? They've won their last two or three in a row? They've won their last two in a row and they're, they've got points in four straight. Yeah, four on, but, four on one, their last five at home, I saw. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's good though. And you know, they'll get healthy, but at the same time, they got to start building chemistry. They, they need to start getting in a rhythm. They played uh, Vegas before the shutdown early holiday break stuff and all those postponements. And they had a really good game against Vegas despite blowing the lead with uh, less than a minute left and then losing mm-hmm. in, a sh- in a shootout. But at the same time, you know, Trot said right after that game, I wish we played the next day in Montreal. I wanted to build off that performance, and they yeah. couldn't. So you have to see, you know, after 12 days, there's not going to be any rust. There wasn't any rust when the Islanders played Buffalo, but that's a bad Buffalo team. They come back against the Devils, who, again, all these teams have been playing. So mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be interesting to see for sure. It, it definitely will be. And, I mean, I the one team, and we always talk about this, that might not be affected by postponements as much as the Islanders because they're so veteran, their coach is a veteran, they, they got the ability, and you've seen it now after all these long breaks. They don't really show like they're that rusty, but it, it can't be great whenever you do start to get well, things going that you're sitting on the on the bench again and, and watching other teams play hockey while you're getting paid to just you know be on your keister kind of at home. So They are they are accruing games in hand, though. I mean, they're going to yeah. have – you're looking at the standings right now, and you know anyone that – I, anyone that has ruled the Islanders out has not watched the team over the last couple of years because they are been out of it the last couple of regular seasons or have been really close to not making it. And through whether it's been shortened season, point percentage, or just sneaking in, they get in and they do their damage. So the fact that the Islanders are right now, they are like, let me do simple math here. Uh, is that eight points out of a playoff spot with, you know, games in hand on everyone ahead of them. That's, that's true. That's, Except Boston. Except the one team that they have to catch. Except Boston. Well, and the Penguins they could catch, potentially. The Penguins are rolling. No, I know. But I'm saying though, all the teams in front of them, though, have ahead of them in points, but not by a significant amount that they can't overcome it. Mm-hmm. And then again, it depends what happens over the next 12 days. Those teams could win and jump ahead by a long shot. Those teams could lose and help the Islanders out more. But... It'll, it'll be interesting. But, uh, Johnny, thanks so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. It's always fun talking to the two of you, and hopefully I'll see you at, uh, at Skate Safe soon. Huh? Yep, Definitely. You got it. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. So big thanks there to Johnny for coming on. If you don't know, Johnny Lazarus hosts a couple of podcasts. Go check him out. He hosts a Believe in Rangers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Great show. He's got some really good guests that come on all the time. So, Definitely give him a follow on social media. Check out his show as well. But he alluded to the Rangers, Mika Zibanejad being streaky. And uh, we had talked about this earlier today before the, the Rangers 4 nothing win. And I said that despite you know them beating Tampa, I really have not liked the way the Rangers have been playing. They yeah. came off that seven-game win streak. They've kind of been you know, a 500 team, losing some games that they should have won, You know, not beating good teams. And, and today was a statement game. And I think that with Panarin out, Lindgren out, Rooney out, a couple other guys that are – uh, not in that lineup. They show that they do have the ability to play with some of the big teams, but they have to do it on a more consistent basis. And when they move their feet, when they play that defensive structure, you know, 38 shots, yes. But I think outside of the first period, Tampa really didn't have many grade A scoring chances. And that that's something that if you give Shesterkin 38 shots and he can only have five or six that are real threats, it's not going to be a long night. Exactly. For him. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what the Rangers have to do. And if they can find a way, and think that this has been the key since day one and it hasn't necessarily happened yet, but to find a way to get at least two lines scoring at the same time, right? It's been either the Panarin line or the Zibanejad line, and we've never had those two going, or you've never had the third line going with one of the other two, and it, it, they haven't had the consistency on offense 
that is required to be that elite level team that we were alluding to during that interview. And they have the goaltending, right? You have the star players at each position. You just need the consistency throughout the lineup. I think that Lafreniere, Kako, those guys, if they can start to get going, that's when you see the Rangers take that next step. But until that point, they're just a good, you know, playoff team, first round, second round potential. Um, and that's all I wanted to say about them because it's been fun to watch. I mean, they got 46 points in 33 games, so you can't really complain about that. You just got to hope that the consistency comes out a little bit more. Yeah, and speaking of consistently, we, we look consistency, excuse me. I mean, the Islanders right now, you know, you know, you hate the I can't spell Islanders without Anders. I know you hate that <laughs> champ, but it's really you can't spell Islanders without streak because everything they do is streaky. Right now, they're on a, a four-game point streak. They've won two straight games, okay? Anders Lee's on a five-game point streak with three goals and two assists. It's also, he's got two games in a row with a power play goal on the backhand. So even a streak within a streak within a streak there, okay? Kiefer Bellows and Noah Dobson both extending their point streaks to three games. Dobson has, just want to make sure I get this right, two goals and three assists over his last three games, and Bellows has a goal and three assists. Lighting it up. They just continue to get points. And then Matt Barzal. It took him until overtime. But he extended his point streak to eight games with two goals and 11 assists. This this team is just full of streaky players. And the problem yep. is, we always know that when you're streaking, eventually the streak goes the other way. But the Islanders, with the way this season has gone, you know, it doesn't matter that they're streaky. It matters that they get the job done. And, you know, they beat a bad Buffalo team, even though technically the Buffalo was ahead of them in the standings. But we you know that to. you have to beat the bad teams. And the Oilers want a back-to-back. So you want to say they weren't at full throttle in their game against the Islanders? Fair. Guess what? Still have to do your job and beat them. And they did, like I talked about with Lazarus. I mean, not allowing Drysaddle to get a shot in re- 60 minutes of regulation. I mean, no teams do that. They did that. And, yeah, he got a goal, but it blank- banked off a skate. He was, he was like half an inch from ending that game. 20 yeah, seconds yeah. into OT, too. Yeah. He just missed the far side. Yeah, and, and that's what I wanted to say during the interview. But they did. They I watched parts of that game. And yeah. before I let you, you know, finish, they blanketed them. And I, I it was tuned a in Islander later. hockey game. It was, it was. And I tuned in later and like towards the end of the second and watched the third. And you knew McDavid was on the ice, but at the same time, usually you are able to know that McDavid's on the ice because he's taking the puck and he's moving around the zone with it. And he played a lot of time without the puck, which is how you defend him. Because if he can't have the puck, he he's a lot less dangerous than he is with it. And I, I was like, you know what? They're doing a great job right now. Cause and it, it was just everything to the outside. The, the one chance they really allowed McDavid to cut to the middle, he he, he got a couple of shots off. That rebound came to Darnell Nurse in the high slot, and he buried for the go-ahead goal. The Islanders did come back. Resilient effort. This is a resilient hockey team. If you don't know this by now, you're not watching Islanders hockey. But then you look, and like McDavid got an odd man rush in the second period. And Scott Mayfield was back there. And McDavid went to pass it, and Mayfield just picked it off. With ease, you know, I mean, it was just a perfect display of what you have to do against this Oilers team. And we could talk about the Oilers for a brief second. Nothing changes with this Oilers team. So they'll never be able to do and accomplish the goal that they want. They're two top line heavy or top two lines heavy. They have struggle on defense and their goaltending, which it hasn't been bad, but they don't have a legit number one goaltender. And, you know, you think about tandems and we talk, you know, the Rangers don't have a complete tandem. We look at the Islanders and their tandem and other teams that have tandems. They're two really good goalies as their tandem. I'm sorry, Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen are solid goalies, but they're both, you know, you talk about 1A and 1B, 
they're like one B and one C, you know, or two B. Like they're they're not two really good goalies that make a tandem that works. Like Flurry and Leonard, that's not what the Oilers have. So they don't have goalies that really steal games. So this Oilers team is going to go to the if they make the playoffs, they'll go to the playoffs. You should find a way, like an Islanders team did, to shut down McDavid for the most part and dry settle. They are getting swept. They have no secondary scoring. We saw that happen last year. We see it, but they didn't do anything. They got Duncan Keith. Okay, an older defenseman past his prime. Not going to help. What, what what do they what did they do to get better? It doesn't see. It's so funny because McDavid and Drysdale are putting up uh, NHL video game points right now. It's just absurd what they're doing. Has no bearing. Look at Toronto. They can automatically score a thousand goals in the regular season. You learn how to shut them down in the playoffs. It's game over. It doesn't matter. It's amazing how much of a team sport it is. I, I the only position in hockey that is of the utmost importance where that one player can steal a game is goaltender. Yeah, right. Most That's important position in all of sports, in my opinion. I really think it is. And then you look at the other stuff, and like you just mentioned, all the talent in the world doesn't win you games if you don't have the supporting cast around it. Uh, look at we just I just mentioned this five minutes ago with the Rangers, right? They have all the talent, but they need that supporting cast, that consistency. The Islanders have the talent in Barzal, but if he's getting shut down, like teams are keying on him, like and you season. don't have the depth scoring, that's where you. So no matter how good McDavid and Drysdale are, and they might be two of the, the top three players in the world on the same team, adding a Zach Hyman was supposed to help. He scored, but he's not that type of player. They don't. They needed to add on the back end. They needed to add in goal, and those are the two places they didn't. And now you're seeing why they could be hot or they could be really, really cold. Don't quote me on this, but when the Islanders beat the Oilers for their fourth cup before the Oilers went on their run, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know if it was on a Spit and Chicklet show. Billy Smith, did, I don't think allowed a goal to uh, Wayne Gretzky. I don't think Gretzky scored in that Stanley Cup. Really? I, I don't know if that's you know. I, those I believe Oilers teams were different though. They had 75 players that could score. Yeah, but I'm saying is though that is the greatest player to ever play. It will be McDavid, and I hands down he is the most talented player the world has ever seen. No, that's not anything. No discredit to Gretzky. Gretzky was the best of his time, but I mean McDavid's unreal. But when you shut down guys like that, you know you need. Uh, yes, the Oilers team was different. They did have a supporting cast. Yari, Curry, they had guys. I mean Messier, they had guys. But again, it goes to show that you know this Islander team, especially the Islanders, this is a team game and Islanders play it to the definition of it. Again, we saw last year when Barzal didn't have Lee, he had Komarov on his on his left and Jordan Eberle who didn't do anything yeah. on his right. Barzal was quite frankly useless because the teams could lock on him and just shut him down and if the Islanders weren't getting Barzal to score, you know, they, their depth wasn't coming through and they, they got to, you know, they got into the playoffs and they did their damage even without Lee. Offense is slightly better but it was because other players stepped up. Bavillier, biggest example. Wins it in overtime to force a game seven. That wasn't Barzal doing that. That's a depth player. And if you want to call a second line winger a depth player, it's still a depth player because he's not going to be, he's not your top line guy. So I think for the Islanders moving forward to build on what they're doing right now, you know, they, they love to see the Barzal locking, uh, rocking, racking up assists and all that kind of stuff. And Lee, of course, two big players. They got Kiefer Bellows. Death player scoring, but Ville scores a big goal last game. Oliver Wallstrom, who has been out with COVID, was lighting it up. You got the fourth line looking more like the fourth line. You got defensemen getting involved in the offense. Noah Dobson, just Noah Dobson has transcended this Islanders team offensively for what he does on the power play. His puck moving has gotten significantly better, and he's, his zero hesitation to shoot the puck has been unreal because it seems like every time he shoots the puck, 
Lee's in front trying to get a kind to get a deflection or they're making a connection with Barzal there. But Dobson's got he had eight points in the month of December. Two points already in January. The guy had the most amount of minutes. I think he played 24 minutes or 22 and a half minutes against the Oilers. He led the Islanders. You look at that when Ryan Pulak comes back, what do you do? Where do you put him? Because the Islanders broke up their defensive pair in Pulak and Pelik early in the season because Char just wasn't cutting it. He was struggling. They break it up. But now Pelik and Mayfield have been great. Char and Dobson, you know, Char has his, his faults, but Dobson's playing unreal. You don't want to break that up. And then you have Sallow and Green. So, you know, I did a little digging and research, and I know Green could play both sides. So I think what you do is you send Sallow down, let him play every day in the minors. There is zero point in Robin Sallow being on a taxi squad because you want him to develop. And then you move Andy Green over, and then you put Pulak on your third defensive pair. And you could play it however you want minutes-wise. But with Pulak coming back from a significantly lower, uh, lower body injury, no point in rushing him back. Let him play, you know, minutes here and there. But... I mean, you can't take Dobson off the top power play unit, and you can't limit his minutes because he's producing. You know, Pulak struggled over the last year, year and a half, to get the pucks on net. Dobson's not missing the net. You know, Dobson's doing the right thing. So I think right now, the Islanders got to let Dobson just fly because he is just showcasing right now why he was taken 12th overall in his draft class, why year after year the Islanders got rid of Devon Taves, they got rid of Letty, and everyone said, the Islanders don't have a puck-moving defenseman. What are they going to do? Well, Dobson has just showed that he is the puck moving defense when they need it. He's there. He's younger. He's affordable. And I think it, it just makes this Islanders lineup so much deeper. Again, with Pulak back, because, you know, early in the year, I think Mayfield was the only Islander to have a goal. Everybody else, no, there's no other offense from the, the D. And you could talk about Pelix and on real defensemen. The reason he doesn't get credibility in the league, like a, like a Fox, like a McCarr, like a Hughes, is because he does no offensive game, which is right. not a problem because his, he's so good on defense and he's probably one of the top three defensive defensemen in the league, if not the best, depends who you ask and who's watching. But to have a guy like Dobson on your second defensive pairing, so you have the lockdown defense on your first pairing. Then you got Chara, who, you know, again, has his faults, but he's been making better plays. Then you have Dobson just joining the rush every time and being that that extra forward and coming through. It's big for the this Islanders team, especially when they're so streaky. You need your defense to get involved. Yeah, you do. And uh, defense from the back end, Oftentimes is the driving force. I mean, it's you mean offense simple, from the back end. Well, defense, yeah, offensive defenseman <laughs> from the back end yes, is yes. the driving force, and it starts as simple as a two foot pass out of the own end, right? If that's not a clean pass, then the transition game's all out of whack. But when you look at great teams, right? I mean, Tampa's fresh on the brain because the Rangers just played them, but Victor Hedman on the back end, McDonough even on the back end, these guys jump into the play, and if their forwards are getting locked up, they're able to use the pointmen as offensive producers and they have great shots. They know how to get the puck to the net and then it allows the forwards and to kind of find that puck and it frees up space because now you have to cover the whole entire zone. When you got guys that don't necessarily have that offensive ability, the forwards are a little more compressed when it comes to space from the defenders. So the fact that Dobson has proven that he can shoot and not only shoot, but hit the net and get it through creates so much more room for other players to kind of move around that zone and you know the Rangers have that with Fox, with Keandre Miller, Truba even this year. So those guys that are playing like that create more room for your better players, and that's why the emergence of Dobson is such that it's huge. And forget the fact just the ability to skate with the puck and move it up from your own end. The fact that him scoring now in the offensive zone makes sure that the forwards have to stay up higher as opposed to being able to collapse lower. It just creates two to three feet more of room for a Barzal when that's all that you need with the skill level. So it's 
essential that you have things like that. And for the Islanders, you got to hope that it continues. And having Pulak, who's not even back yet, come back into that lineup, regardless of where he slots in, it just adds another player back that can do that same thing. And they just slowly start to get better. And I will say one thing about Dobson, too, and it's something we saw with Fox. Again, not comparing the two, even though they're both in New York. But, you know, Fox was pr- producing on offense, and his defense wasn't taking a hit. Dobson's playing great defensively as well. So the fact that he's producing on offense, he's been on the ice for the Islanders' last seven goals, but he's plus. You know, he's not on the goals for goals against. And then you look at the game, you brought up Hedman, perfect example, right? He's a great offensive defenseman. He is not a great defenseman. Defensive defenseman. In the game that the, uh, Tampa lost to the Florida, nine to three, he was a minus six. Yeah. So you look at it as like, okay, even if Hedman goes and scores and does what he has to do on offense, it doesn't matter because his defensive game has fault. So if Dobson, it's great to see Dobson producing on offense. He just has to focus as such a young player still that don't let it ruin your defensive game because in the end, for the Islanders, especially in their defensive mind and system, it's defense first. You're def- you're you know you're strong playing your own zone creates offense in the game against Buffalo on Dobson's goal. He made a great play in the defensive zone and got the puck up. And then he followed it up, joined the rush, was at the point, took a shot and scored. Bad goal allowed by Malcolm Subban, but that's pretty much what we say about every goal that goes in on Subban. So I think it's just important that, you know, the Islanders that are doing well right now continue to focus on playing in their own zone because if they don't keep the puck out of their net, the offense doesn't matter. I remember, you know, Trotz was talking about Wallstrom's game and the fact that he says, yeah, Wallstrom's getting a ton of chances, but the chances are going back the other way as well. We're just trading off chances, and that's not how you play Islanders hockey. And Wallstrom took that to heart. He focused more on playing without the puck and defensively, and now he's out there in big moments, and he's playing better in his own zone, and he's still producing. So it's just for a lot of the young guys, you know, talking about this old Islanders team, where you have guys in the lineup that are young. I mean, Barzal and Bavillier are still young, young players. Kiefer Bellos has found his game, yep. confidence just by playing. Dobson, Wallstrom, Sallow. I mean, this team may be old because they have a little bit of a few outliers in there. But if you look at it and these young guys that are producing that haven't been, like Bellows was probably a B-level prospect. Now it's more of like, okay, maybe he could be part of the future of this team. And and the last thing I'll leave with before we close this one out is, you know, they were talking about Palmieri. Trotz was answering questions about Palmieri. When is he coming back? And Trotz made a great statement the day before that. And after practice, he said, you know, you're in this day and age in the salary cap era, era, if you have a young guy, who costs less doing the same thing, if not more than what you're paying a, a more expensive player to do older guy to do. You go with the young guy every time. And that speaks volumes because you look at a guy like Palmer who struggled this year. I mean, you, he comes back and he's ready to go. You can't take Bellows out. And then it comes to the question is come to the trade deadline. Why are you going to pay Palmer all this money when you could just move him, get assets, whether it's draft picks or whatever, open up salary space. And pay a guy and pay a guy like Bellows and not even have to pay him any any more money. He's producing more. I mean, God forbid Leo Komarov has one goal in the KHL and he could play the piano. That's the same amount of goals that Palmieri has. <laughs> and he could play the piano. But you I mean, you talk about that though, and that's that's the age old dilemma. But right now, what how many assets are you getting for Palmieri who's under contract and looks to not be producing? And it's the same issue that the Rangers are currently going through yeah. because Zach Jones made his NHL day or not NHL season debut today for the Rangers and they have Patrick Nemeth playing over him. The Rangers have young talent in the minors and Morgan Barron, who's somebody that could have made the roster this year, but we have Greg McKegg playing over him when they need a forward. And there's just certain moves like that. Libor Hayek didn't get waived. So now Vitaly Kratzow is pissed off. Well, you also, also don't want up. though, but we've seen in the past, especially with just certain players that you don't want to rush them. 
you have the veterans for a reason. If you rush a guy into the NHL, right? And again, I, I firmly believe give them the NHL experience from day one. And if they do bad, send them back down. But you see a lot of guys come up and they just dominate for a little bit. And then it comes back to reality that, okay, they might need more time. Like a Salo. Salo hasn't really done anything wrong to deserve a demotion when Pulak comes back, but he did his job. His job was to be called up, learn the NHL game. He's got so many veterans to learn from. Come in there, play some minutes. And yeah, his time is up at the NHL level probably when Pulak comes back because he did his job. He came in, filled a hole. He goes back down to play every day. I think for the Rangers, it's all right. Such a young Rangers team. I don't think it's a terrible thing to have depth and let those young guys continue to play in the AHL. Now, if they're not getting minutes in the AHL or they're on the taxi squad, I mean, if they're up on the taxi squad and they're young players, then should be in the lineup because they're not they're not playing every day. You might as well send them down or have them in the lineup. So I think that's where, especially with the taxi squads, a guy like Nemeth, if he's there, shouldn't be in the lineup. If if Jones is going to be on the taxi squad, Jones should be in there because he could be down playing every day. So I think it's it's definitely interesting. But this salary cap, Ewa, like well, era, 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 oh my, it changes everything from how we look at sports. I mean, Palmieri was a huge signing for the Islanders, but it's all about production. Just because he's getting paid that much doesn't mean he has to be in the lineup every day. And, and we'll see when Palmieri comes back because my bet would be on that he's not in the lineup when he's ready to go. And yes, that might make fans crazy. It, probably not something upper management wanted to see. They want to see Palmieri flourishing, but it's come to a point where the Islanders are in a hole that they're in because veterans didn't step up early in the year and they struggled and they had the breaks, whatnot. But when guys produce and guys are proving that they deserve to be in there, Austin Zarnick's playing every day. An AHL player who hasn't had that much of a chance at the NHL level, who is, I think, 26 or 27 years old, had chances with the Flames. No, On another team, he's in the minors. He's not even a thought. But he's worked his tail off when he's in the lineup, and he's playing. Because why? Because he's getting the job done. He's getting he's getting production. The Islanders need that right now. And they can't afford just because you're a veteran name to be in the lineup. And for the Islanders, they're, they're riding a win, uh, win streak right now, and they won't play for another 12 days. So it'll be really interesting to see when this lineup is healthy, which it should be by then, the route that Barry Trotz takes. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at BackCheckPod. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 